Welcome to the Alchemy Archetypes and Ascension podcast. I'm your host, Jess Beard. I believe we can change the world if we all concentrate on ascending into the greatest versions of ourselves in this lifetime. All episodes and interviews are to inspire and educate us to transform. I want to explore spirituality, 5D and quantum shifting, health, mindset, business and more. If you need to transform any era in your life, then I want to be talking about it. Hello and welcome. Joining me is the gorgeous Cara from Pets Eye View. And she is more well known amongst my audience. And I swear she's TikTok famous and all over Instagram with her fabulous reels. And she's well known for her animal communication. And I can thoroughly vouch for her because I had a session with my gorgeous Bella and she knew things from when she was a puppy that no one could ever know. But there's a whole other side to Kara, which I wanted to get her on this podcast and start having really interesting conversations. The other day we were talking about directed will and Kara was telling me how she is follower and a practitioner of western mysticism and she brings that in with her clients I was fascinated so I thought I'd get her on this podcast and (laughs) to be talking about directed will so that we can start to utilize that as an alchemy tool as a way that people can transform their life so thank you so much for joining me Is there anything you would like to say? Please introduce yourself to my audience. Sure. My name is Kara Yitzila. I'm an animal communicator. And prior to being an animal communicator, which I've been doing for a decade, I've been a student of what I call Western mysticism for, I guess, 30 years, going on 30 years now, which means I've studied a variety of metaphysical tools, techniques, techniques. the Western Kabbalah, sacred sites of of Great Britain, um, uh, Druidism, you know, cycles of the year, nature, spirituality is very close to my heart. And I think being a Taurus, as I am, it's very, uh, it's very, very apt that I would be very drawn to things related to the earth and to animals and to um, the land, right? And so that's, that's where I feel what we all call the faces of God, right? That's where I feel closest. And so as part of that, I've done a a fair amount of study in different traditions. And uh, we were talking about directed will, which is what I think I'm really strong at doing. And it's a little bit different than, you know, what we hear in terms of affirmations, right? We're, We're always told that we have to do our affirmations and, um, see things as already being done. Uh, And I've had several instances in my life and others where directed will, as I call it, seems to work out very well. Oh, I'm fascinated. I think many people who are listening to this can really relate with the journey where, you know, for the last 30 years you have been going from one Uh, modality tradition teachings to another and 
that's something that I've been doing as well. And I'm sure mm-hmm. so many people are just going to go, oh my gosh, yes. And I really like how you put it under the term of Western mysticism, because it's so hard to really be able to just narrow down to just one kind of thing. I feel like we as a society are on this incredible journey of growing and picking up like, oh, I'm going to take this from this and I'll take that from that. And we we create these incredible tools from so many different modalities and teachings and we find the things that resonate and work to transform for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that is to me alchemy. I say it over and over again and again because when we're wanting to transform any aspect of our lives, we do find the things that work for us. So can you tell my audience what directed will is because they might fall in love with it and (laughs) they might go, I'm adding that to my toolkit. Well, you know, you may already be doing it. So Directed will is what it sounds like. Instead of only, although you can use those as accoutrements, uh, creating a ritual and, you know, writing on a candle or whatever you do to try to bring your wishes into fruition, it's as though you just decide that things are going to be a certain way and you expect that the universe will open up for you to be able to find the next best step to get what it is you need or you want. Um, As long as it doesn't hurt anyone else to get that thing or that ascension, right? So, and I think it's best to put it, if it's okay, in context of some examples that are not material, because so many people are like, well, I want to make a million dollars. So let, you know, how can I put directed will toward that? You can, But as we may know, if you're listening to this podcast, spirit doesn't really care so much about how much money is in your bank account. They care about, it cares about your spiritual growth, right? Or your ability to believe in yourself. And if you want to get money, you can get money. That's fine. You're going to be able to do that. So don't, don't listen to this and say, oh, I'm not going to be able to manifest with directed will. But instead of calling on an outside force to help you with your goal, um, you you just decide that this is going to work, that what I'm going to do is is going to work. And all the little doubts that tend to creep in amongst us, you just you just almost like they ricochet off your very linear focus on this is this is going to be what happens. So I'll give an example from my life. I was told very early on that I might never have children. And my husband was then told that he might never have children. And between the two of us, we had 5% chance, even with IVF, of getting pregnant. Yeah. And I did all of the reading and the thinking about the adoption and how are we going to go about this. And I just determined that I was going to be a mother, that we were going to be parents. I didn't really care what outcome, how I became a parent, but I knew that it was going to be all right. And I focused my energy on not out of a sense of desperation, but 
openness to the universe providing the solution, even if I didn't know it. So let's be really clear about that. I wasn't like, I'm going to become a biological mother, right? I was going to become a mother. So I opened myself up to the path of all ways of becoming a mother. Yet I just decided that that was in our future. Um, the day that we found out that not only, because I have a lot of other physical problems, so the assumption on our part when we were not getting pregnant was it's Kara's problem, right? It, it's got to be Kara's problem. And then the day that we found out that not only did I have a slight problem, but my husband also had a very large problem. The urologist looked at my husband in front of me and said, you just have a poor quality factory that puts out a poor quality product. There's there's just no chance, right? Uh, my husband was so dejected and, of course, so upset for me that he was lower than low. But because I had already determined that we were going to be parents, I, I was very sad for him to be a part of what I assumed was my problem. But I couldn't stand to see him so dejected. And I had already seen this acupuncture clinic that had just opened by our house and I said, we were driving home and because I'm open to intuition and I'm always working on my meditative skills, I just knew we have to turn in here. We're going to go here. And it was right around the corner from our home. And I said, let's go see this acupuncturist right now. Maybe she can do something. And he was like, what? Like, we're like we literally left the urologist's office <laughs> and we walked in there. She happened to have no clients at that time. She looked at my tongue. She felt my pulse. She did a bunch of intake and she did the same thing for my husband. And literally in an hour and a half said, give me four months. If I can't get you pregnant, nobody can. And we'll see what happens. So we religiously did everything she told us. And three months later, she checked our tongue. She checked our pulse. She did everything and said, okay, go back to the, uh, the fertility doctor. Take all your blood tests again because I think everything's fine now. And we did that. And the doctor came into the office and said, what's going on? Like, everything's normal, normal. What did you do? And I said, well, we've been going to an acupuncturist. She's been doing acupuncture on us twice a week. And I've been drinking stinky tea uh, three times a day. And so is my husband. And he looked at me and he said, I have nothing to say to that, but get the hell out of my office and go get pregnant. And this is the same man that told us that even if we did IVF, we would have less than a 5% chance of getting pregnant. So that's what I mean by directed. Absolutely amazing story. And I love how that's a perfect example of not trying to control the outcome a lot of whether you call it an affirmation or you're making a sacred vow or you're manifesting or you're wanting to do all these different things we declare very clearly this is this is what I want and then you have to have so much faith and be open and just that is that's going to be my future that's going to be my reality and I feel like this is a, um, where a lot of people struggle and they start to go, okay, so that's the reality I want. I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have to do this. And that like a logical mind comes in with all the practical things that everyone yeah. else tells them to do. And instead you're just like, 
I'm, we're going to be parents. I'm not attached to how that's going to happen, but I have such incredible focus, will, and faith that we're going to be parents. And then you just let God, goddess, the universe show you how, how that's to happen. And because you were so clear with that directed will, it was really rapid. Like you left the urologist giving you devastating news mm-hmm. and you're just like, that's not part of the timeline that I'm going to walk in. That's not my reality. And mm-hmm. instead you just get that download, that do this, and you follow it and then voila. Mm-hmm. I love this story because yeah. it, it's perfect. And I'll give you another example too, okay? So five and a half years ago, I think I was diagnosed with breast cancer and I was diagnosed with the worst possible breast cancer currently known on the planet. So it's called metaplastic triple negative. So we don't make any hormones. There's no hormone responsiveness that takes out some chemotherapy that would be available for others. On top of that, it's like having lung cancer, brain cancer, and skin cancer and breast cancer all encapsulated in the breast. So if it's going to come back 95% of the time, it comes back somewhere else in the body. And it usually comes back within 57% within a year. So I was completely shocked. And I know that I was guided to go get a mammogram, which I had not gotten because, you know, uh, being in this kind of mystic world, you get nervous of Western technology, which I can sometimes be a victim of myself. And so I think this is an important story for some people to hear as well. And it's going to resonate. I feel like I can sense it already that someone's going to listen to this and it's going to come out to them at exactly the right time for them to hear it. There is something to be said about being concerned about too much medical intervention or Western intervention. But I think let this be a cautionary tale that we also have to use our critical thinking skills and know that, no, most doctors are not trying to kill you. You have to be careful and in charge of your own medical issues. but. Um, I got the breast cancer diagnosis. And the reason that I say, I'm sorry, my ADHD brain just went on a left turn there. But like, I know that I went to go get a mammogram because my mother-in-law died about a month before of, of like sudden but undiagnosed lung cancer where she had thought she had a cold and pneumonia for eight months. Her doctor kept misdiagnosing her. So she never had a CAT scan. So she died within three months of us knowing. I had very small children at the time. And I went to get what I just thought would be an ordinary mammogram. And I know it was her whispering in my ear, like, you got to go do the whole gynecological thing. So I did that. They discovered this breast cancer on Halloween, by the way, Samhain. So I was like, "Mm, Samhain is my time. Samhain is good for me. I was crying. I was upset. I was destroyed, of course. And I wanted to do the all natural approach, but I did my research because I also have a master's degree in rhetoric and speech. And once you have a master's degree, at least in the United States, the way you are taught to research is very detailed and very thorough. And I discovered over a bunch of research and looking at online Facebook groups for women who had had the cancer that I had, that everyone who did all natural was no longer with us or within a year and a half they had, you know, They had it back and gone. Well, I had a nine and 12 year old kid and I was just like, I got to figure something out. Something's got to happen here, but I'm scared of chemo. So I saw four oncologists and I kept saying, this has to be all right. Like I have to, I have to live longer than a year because I have to see these kids grow up. 
right? I have to. My husband can't do this by himself, but I also am scared of chemo. So I need for a solution to come to me that is not going to be dramatically horrid. The doctor I chose, I remember specifically the day that I walked into his office for the second or third time, and I had already authorized that he could um, test my tumor, which at that time was very unheard of. It was very new cutting edge. I said, yeah, you can test my tumor. And then he said, we'll make a custom chemo cocktail because I don't want to give you a drug that could poison you if I don't know that it's going to work on the tumor in the dish and against your genetic sequencing. And sure enough, I walked in and I asked, I need to know if this is the right guy. And he he came in and he showed me everything and showed me how my blood rejects most chemo or would be completely, I would have a complete allergic reaction to some of the most common chemo for my cancer. And we decided on two. And I just, he said, I don't want to give you a chemo that's going to poison you. And I had never heard a doctor speak like that. And so I went with him. And when I went into every cancer treatment, I never lost a hair on my head, by the way, because I worked with my own energy while I could, but I, I did get tired and fatigued. But I also had energy healers I hired or who are in my court that worked on me as well during the time. And the two chemos I had were relatively mild, I would say, in terms of that. And when I would go into chemo in honor of my late grandmother who took chemo for seven years with ovarian cancer, I fully dressed up. I didn't go in sweats and whatever, as hard as it might be, I would put my lipstick on, I'd put my makeup on. And I would go in there and I would thank the chemotherapy for going into my system, which is not to say I didn't cry the first time. I was afraid and worried. It's not like people who are mystical don't succumb to fear, right? But you get put, you push through it. And then instead of allowing myself to live in the fear, I turned that chemo into a golden elixir rolling through my body, leaving what it did not need to do, but also helping me to stave off and get rid of whatever might have been left after the surgery. Now I had surgery first and I woke up after surgery and I saw four light beings around me. And I was absolutely certain that they, they were like giddy and laughing and vibrating. And I told my husband like, there's four of them and they're huge and they're so happy. So I was relatively confident because of that vision that it was going to be okay. But that doesn't mean you don't have fear now and then. It just means that when you have fear about whatever you're not getting or what is an undetermined outcome that you come back to know what is my directed will? What, what is the directed will that I, I need to have happen? But if I hadn't had that direction of, yeah, I'm, I've made the decision I'm going to have chemo, but I want it to be something where I'm not going to be sick all the time and I'm not going to have five years of repercussions from, you know, having numbness in my hands or illness because of the chemo or a heart attack or, you know, whatever can happen. I don't want that. I think if I had just done whatever every other doctor had said, I would have had a very different experience. I think it's an important conversation to have because we do have that little program running as spiritual people to be really 
um, dismissive of modern medicine, as they call it. And if your intuition is actually telling you to go and take a test, then you need to. I, um, my intuition was telling me to go and get a blood test. I hadn't been to the doctors in years and things were fairly okay. And in Australia, if your iron count is not below, it's like 14 or 20 or some small number, they don't flag it as iron deficient. But I took my papers, which were just absolute gobbledygook, and, and somebody who could read my blood results said, oh, your iron's only 4% above that. Like you're going to be deficient within a month or two if you don't do something. And because I'm a vegetarian for over 10, 10 years now. So, yeah. I mean, I was very proud of my body for going 10 years before it kind of ran down yeah. to being depleted anyway. And, yeah. um, but, you know, you have to follow those intuitions. You can also use the directed will to manifest and focus what you're wanting within the hospital, within the oncologist, within the specialist. I had a funny reaction to an antibiotic and uh, it was doing some weird things to my heart and I was petrified because I felt like I was having a heart attack and I went to the doctor, I went to the hospital all the way there. I'm like, I need, I need a really good doctor. I need a nice doctor. I don't want a dismissive doctor, you know? And I got in there. They were so warm, friendly. She did every test in, in Australia, the test, like it's free in the, in the hospitals. So when I say I had multiple tests, like I had multiple tests, she was so good and thorough. At the end of it, one of the nurses whispers to me, the exact words of what I asked for when I was leaving the farm I was like I want a really really nice doctor and the nurse bends down she goes you got one of the nicest doctors and I was it was like spirit was actually speaking through her saying you know yes you, you know you ask and you shall receive. And I think because of the same program that you're talking about, where people get so dismissive of the hospitals and the big pharma and the money involved, and oh, they mean that you know doctors don't care about you anymore. That's not true. And you actually give away your power to direct things if you dismiss everything. That's so accurate, yeah. What you just did was amazing. You're just like, no, I don't want to get super sick with this. And you kept going until you got like the ding from the universe. You followed your intuition the whole way. And the other thing is, is like cancer has a huge program with it anyway. When my mum had breast cancer a few years ago, the day I found out, I was, of course, a little bit shocked and I said something to one of my co-workers and his exact words were because she had the same triple negative breast cancer tumor and his exact words and I'm going to swear here oh well she's fucked then isn't she and Mm. I realized that I needed to be really careful who I shared Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. news with Mm -hmm. because I don't need their negative projections I don't need their, their fears and doubts I don't need their 
directed will of like what they think the outcome is going to be so I ended up only telling about like four people for a very very long time because there is so much of a program around it so it's really important that you get those healers you get the positive people the energy healers the the people who can send the positive outcome yes who can can share your vision I mean you're talking about another aspect of western mysticism which is uh speak little and listen much you know soft of eye light of touch like you don't when I had cancer this is now five and a half years ago like I was on Facebook every day right I cut my hair but I didn't tell people why I cut my hair I thought I was going to lose it I never did but I cut it short and I just said I need a new haircut and most of the people on my Facebook page never knew I had cancer until I passed the three-year mark because it's not for them because too many people knowing, and, and this goes for your positive visualizations or your positive directed will too. People are not generally happy for you. <laughs> like people don't want to know about your big vision. They pretty much want to poo-poo it because they like to, they're afraid and they want to stay small. And so how can you raise your prices, for example, or who's going to pay for that? Is it really worth it? Uh, you want to go to where? You're not going to be able to go do that. You don't need any of that stuff. So keep your vision to yourself or to the people you trust to hold your vision with you. And I guess we should probably talk about like, okay, well, what happens when it doesn't work out? Because sometimes I suppose it doesn't work out. Then you can go back and rewind through your directed will experience with that as compared to one where you you did have it work out, for example, right? And I do this with my students in animal communication or in mystic work where I go, okay, well, you just did that reading and you got some feedback that it's not quite accurate. And not that intuition is going to be accurate 100% of the time, but can you revisit what you saw, felt, did, where maybe you had a wobble or you had a big wobble, you know, or someone, or you did let someone into your vision that really kind of destroyed your confidence about what you could do. And then let's, when we go to do the next experiment, let's change it in that way, right? And another aspect to that is divine timing. And because sometimes we can ask for something and we're like, I'm going to direct my will, but I I really want it by this time and this date. But I don't know how many times this has happened to me over and over and over in my business, which is where I'm directing most of my will at the moment is is with building my business. Most, all the other areas of my life is, is very happy and content. So a large chunk of my direct will is going to that. And I'll I'll say to the universe, I'll be like, oh, this is what I'm wanting and I don't get it or something goes on and then I kind of let it go and I'll move on to the next thing and then along comes better software or it goes on special half price or it has this ridiculous new offer and you get all these extra things. And I, I have countless times I've like looked the skies and I'm like, you're a genius. And I have no idea why I, you know, <laughs> I let doubt come in because I couldn't even dream this up. You Thank you. And there is aspects of that where, you know, sometimes 
there is a reason why there is a delay and you're not getting it. And then sometimes you're not supposed to walk that path because there's another opportunity or another direction that you're supposed to be taking. So Mm -hmm. I think it's important to always trust that the universe has your back and always trust that when you're directing the outcome that if it doesn't come to fruition, my first question to the universe is, well, can you show me why? And then trust in the answers that come forth. We can ask the universe why. And, you know, someone will send you a random email or you'll be in a supermarket and you overhear a conversation or you'll be having a fabulous conversation with your friend overseas and you get this download and this knowing because, oh, that's what I'm supposed to be doing or that's what I'm supposed to be saying. And I wanted to tie this also back into one thing that you said before. If you say to the universe, I want a million dollars, you really have a large context, a really large vision. What the universe is going to do is give you every opportunity and chance to heal every mind block and problem that you have (laughs) in order to obtain the million dollars. So what you're actually praying for is not just the money in the bank. You're praying for the ability to hold that much money to not freak out. I know that when I first started, because, you know, poverty lack has been a huge programming, I... If, you know, the first thousand dollars in my bank, I would obsess about spending it. It was so hard to save because I, I didn't even know how to save. And I would be like, oh, $400. I could be going out buying this. And then I'd put the next slot in the next week. And then I'd be like, ooh, $600. I could get this. And then I seemed to get a tipping point where my nervous system and everything started to just go, it's okay to save. You, you you know you can calm down now. It's it's just it's it's money, and I was able to change my frequency. But I had to go through all of these things in order to learn to be comfortable with holding money and the That's frequency of money, and that I'm worthy of it. And all the like, my my dad. God bless him, had passed down some almighty, fabulous programming. The programming of he's a farmer. You must work really, really hard and then you die. Um, He used to say um, all the time, because my last name's Beard, he would go, beards are unlucky. I've heard that that like 30,000 times, You, you know, like it was something he would say every time something went wrong. That's what he would say mm-hmm. um, quite often, like multiple, multiple, multiple times. And I I had to write beards are lucky and stick it on my fridge. And it was on there for over a year before I kind of, you, you know. I can, totally, I can totally see that. I can totally see how that happens. Yeah. I mean, it happens for us too. You know, we have, everybody has a program. Everybody and, and has a negative program, but realize that that, that program was kind of meant to keep him safe in some way. It kept him safe in some way, feeling comfortable. Like if he didn't get something, well, then there could be no, it could, there could be no way that it could be self-ownership. It was just, it's this, 
you know, Kenneth Burke is a famous, um, he's a famous communication researcher in the United States in the mid 20th century. And he said that everybody in the world talks about their life as though it is a play. And so they talk about it in terms of actor, agency, scene. Yeah, actor, agency, scene. And I've forgotten the other two right now. But it's all about who are you giving the power to in the in this play that is your life, right? By saying we're unlucky, then there's no then he has no power or control over that. And so what you've done by putting that on your refrigerator is you've taken back your power over that program. So it no longer runs. And I would also say, I just want to say, because we're talking about the energy of money and money generally, uh, we ha I had a month where I spent too much this last month. Not, we're okay, everything's fine. But I was like, whoa, I was really not paying attention at all, right? But here's what the universe does respect. The universe respects and will reward you with more money when you are not fearful about money, but you are respectful of money. So if we go, ah, oh, we throw our hands up and go like, I'm not going to pay any attention because life's so hard and everything's so expensive and inflation and blah, blah, blah. And then we just run up our credit cards. Money sees that and says, no, 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 you're not taking care of your house. I'm not giving you more to do that with. Sort of the flip side about what you said, where it was difficult for you to save, some people actually kind of rebel against the whole idea of caring for money and go, it's so difficult. I'm just going to, I met a girl when I was quite young in working who was like, I'm just going to run up my credit cards for the rest of my life because life is hard. Life is expensive. And when you die, credit card expenses don't go to anybody who's related to you. So I'm always going to have debt. Life is hard and life is expensive right now. But it is good to keep your wallet tidy, to keep your credit cards looking clean, kind of wipe them off and thank them for their service to you. Thank the money that comes into you. Thank the bills that you have to write. Um, that is directed will too. You know, and then and then also budgeting. Nobody loves to budget, but when you're budgeting, you're saying, I honor my money. I choose where my money goes. And to really look at at is there like what what is the intentions behind the spending as well? Right. So because if it's done out of sabotage or self-doubt or any of those things that are kind of a little bit in the shadow aspects, then you you just keep the perpetuating feeling bad mm -hmm. but if you're mm -hmm. spending money and you're in faith or you're doing it to make yourself feel good as a conscious act of raising your vibration like I'm going to go and pamper myself if I need to fill my cup then yeah. it has a different feeling and a vibration to it I I really took a funny punt with with purchasing something for my business recently and it was 149 USD and I'm like, oh, should I, should I got a lot going on this month? And I, I I trusted my gut. I trusted the intuition. I purchased it. So when it converted to Australian dollars, it was $222.20. And you mm -hmm. get those little yeah. funny things from the universe yeah. back where it's like two, 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 two. And then um, less than a week later, I get extra uh, unexpected money coming back in. And it was 
very close to the same amount. (laughs) So I'm just like, but it was also um, USD coming back in. So I was just like, it was really interesting. So I spent something in, in American dollars, which converted to Australian. And then I get paid in American dollars, which is going to convert to Australian. And I haven't, it, it'll end up being around the same price. So it's almost like to the cent, what I paid out mm-hmm. is coming back to me. And mm-hmm. it's this lovely co-creational energy with the universe because I'm spending that in faith, but I've still got my directed will, which is these are my goals for my business. I just want to help people really love what I'm doing. Let's do this. And then the opportunities, you you know, keep coming and following those breadcrumbs. Yeah. Is there anything else about directed will that you think those who are listening would benefit from understanding. I feel like we've we've gave examples. We've talked about what it is. We've talked about uh, the what happens when it you know it's missing or it, it it doesn't seem to be flowing. Is there anything else you think that they could benefit from? I would just say that it's a little bit different than affirmation. It's not writing something down on a piece of paper or saying something over and over and over again. Maybe you want to have a starting ritual or a starting prayer that you do about what it is you're intending, but it is an intention and an expectation, not an affirmation. And I, and I, I tend to think not all of the time. So don't come at me if you're listening to this, but like, I tend to think when we continue to write or do affirmations, it's like, we don't believe it worked the first time that we said something was going to happen. Yes, I feel like they can have a really good tool. I I think affirmations are brilliant for healing, like self-doubt and self-worth and specific programs, Mm -hmm. which can help to reprogram the brain. But when Mm -hmm. it actually comes to manifestation and building your future, not necessarily. I've really, I've had some potent transformation with helping to heal a, a client's thought process on a very specific thing but when it comes to manifesting you know something big like getting pregnant or surviving cancer I just don't feel like an affirmation is has got that weight to it that frequency to it yeah it can be a component but it can't be anything because that directed will is I have this expectation this is what I a thousand percent want, the universe is just going to give it to me. And I have yes, that Yes. And just to quickly bring it back to what I spent a lot of my day job doing in terms of being an animal communicator and a Western mystic. And I talk about this in my classes and I run them all the time, but you have to have directed will and inner be the energy leader. So when we're talking about being directed will, we're, t- we're talking about managing your energy right? And managing the energy of making very directed energy toward a particular goal. And a lot of people choose to give away their agency or their victim, they become victims of the animals in their own house. Now I am disabled and I walk with a limp and, you know, I have always like three dogs and a couple of cats and I could easily let them run me over. But you notice that I'm talking in a lower register, that my voice isn't like, oh, hi, today, you know, I don't, I don't talk like that. I am a grounded, serious person and my animals know who's in charge. 
It's the disabled chick that runs the house. And they're not going to get away with a bunch of nonsense. They might temporarily, you know, you know, I adopted a little cat four months ago. The first month was a little hairy with him. And I will tell you that while, while we are doing this call, I've done tons of energy work. I've done tons of directed will on him. And two cats are sitting on the other side of this computer right now who three months ago, he would try to attack the other cat 25 times in an hour and she would hiss and growl and do nothing and they are asleep. So think about if you're, if you're having trouble with the term directed will, think about I am managing the energy in my sphere, right? And if you want to learn more about that, I am not only teaching animal communication, but I am working toward other spiritual programs, metaphysical teaching programs. And we're all planning, Jess and me too, are planning to go to uh, Sacred England uh, next summer. So we'd love to have you with us. I want to be um, in Merlin's cave and exploring all around there. And I could just have so much fun with you. I could totally tell. The tour, we're going to the chalice. Well, we might do some goddess conference stuff. We'll go to Ava Berry and Stonehenge and St. Nectan's Glen. And we have two people focusing directed will about this happening and <laughs> now I don't have any doubts whatsoever because it's done yeah it's done we just have to find the breadcrumbs of how to create it and that's all it's really so important to have those little frequency checks because when doubt does come in and when things go wrong like just back to the story with your cats you know oh my gosh, have I done the right thing? I've got this gorgeous new ginger cat, but this is not what I was expecting. But you, you, it's the perseverance and the being in control of the energy. And if you are going into doubt, if you're going into fear or any of those things, you no one else can do it for you. You have to get your frequency back up high. You create a, a list of tools, which are my high vibe tools. Like this is Alchemy 101. You have the responsibility if you want to change your life, if you want to get these beautiful outcomes that you're dreaming into reality, then no one else can create them for you. It's you and the spirit. It's you and the universe. Yes. And, and just remember that la languaging is important, yes. right? Like what you speak is important, which doesn't mean that, you know, negative words aren't going to come out now and again. They are because we are human. So we're not going to be perfect all the time. Um, but when you have a fear thought, you can go, okay, I hear that. And I'm going to put that on the shelf or imagine closing it into a, a box. You get to go away now and I'm going to, I'm going to refocus what I just thought. And, and similarly to my cancer experience, I never said I was fighting cancer. I always said that I was a cancer journeyer because I don't like the idea. It's part of my journey on this earth this time, right? But I don't like the idea that one person prayed enough and somehow got to stay. And another person who's highly religious, very good person, whatever, one of my close friends during my experience I would say was highly spiritual person and she's gone. 
So I, I feel like that's not accurate. She didn't lose her battle. It was her journey to exit at that exit. It was my that. journey not to do that, right? So you have to think about even the negative things that happen to you as this is part of my journey and it's going to lead me somewhere different that's maybe unexpected, but maybe better. Several years ago, I thought I was taking a job that, I, that was going to be for the rest of my life. I really, I was an animal communicator, but I was doing it part-time, right? And I got a new job and I thought, oh my God, this is going to be my future. And I'm going to be doing this at this university and I'm going to be teaching and all the students loved me. My reviews were awesome. And I, and then I, and that was just my assumption. Do you know what I mean? Like nobody had ever told me this is more than a one-year contract. I just made the assumption, but I never did directed will on it because it was so easy, came so easily and unexpectedly. I just was like, this is done. I didn't do enough work. And then the dean came to me the first day of the second semester. And I was teaching five classes and said, you know, I hired you because I had a stopgap for this one year. You're a fabulous teacher. Everyone loves you. We want you to stay on and part-time again because I've been part-time before. But in order for me to get this school to be a school, not just a department, I have to hire all PhDs and I don't have a PhD, I have a master's degree. And I was devastated, right? But at the same time, if I had, if that had gone in that direction, then I never would have pursued doing this full time. And this is absolutely where I am supposed to be and what I'm supposed to do. So that. it's sometimes just redirection, right? And I just wanted to finally say, just tying back into the languaging mm -hmm. sometimes it's not even the negative languaging so to speak there was a brilliant video on instagram one of the reels going around it was a tiktok one and it was a um, african-american man and he was saying hope you say you hope you're visiting france next year you've just told so many trillion cells in your body that you're not going. And I sat there and I just thought to myself, but I like the word hope. But in the context of at trying to bring something into fruition and to manifest and to have directed will, you don't hope it happens. It has to happen. It's that conviction. It's the expectation that you're talking about. You don't hope because if you hope you're actually saying to the universe, Nah, if it doesn't happen that's okay that's like saying oh, I hope yeah. I'm a parent but if I'm not a parent yeah that's okay but that's not what you were doing you're just like I'm going to be a parent full stop yes yes and if anybody's watching this it just occurred to me like anybody's watching this and they want to get married for example or they want to be in a long-term relationship but they're just swiping right all the time on a Tender or a Hinge or whatever app there is, that's actually sometimes not active enough of a, of a call to the universe, for example. So you need to fire on five cylinders at the yeah. same time. What my, my point is that sometimes when we have directed will about something yeah. we want, we tend to find one tool is brought to us yeah, And we, we focus all of our energy on that tool. And what mm -hmm. I'm saying is open all the floodgates. 
So yeah. all, so instead you can go ahead and be on the apps, but you also maybe need to call a matchmaker who does it more one-on-one. You need yeah. to tell all of your friends that you're looking to date. You need to actually go out to restaurants, yeah. bars, join some clubs. And the intention is, okay, I'm this, uh, this next three years, I'm going to make myself as available to the opportunities as possible. So that means I, I'm telling the universe in five different ways, I'm open, bring me my partner. But if you only do one thing, you only open one spigot when there might be five. Yeah. And I, and I understand like, if you're just swiping white, you know, it's like, no, no, you're literally saying to the universe, no, 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 no. I loved what you just said then about really, and I I find post COVID, it's a bit harder for people to really be wanting to get out there. And it's like, even for myself with joining spiritual groups and going to a meditation and doing these other different things, I don't do it anywhere near as much as I used to. Mm-hmm. But we really, really need to be doing that. And I loved every single thing that you just said as suggestions with like, and even giving yourself that number and just say, okay, I'm directing my will to finding the love of my life and the person who is going to treat me and is faithful and whatever value things you want, you're your perfect, beautiful partner. Mm-hmm. You direct your will there. And then as that follow your intuition you say I'm going to open myself up to like five different ways for them to find me because I I I think that's a perfect thing to be doing and it's a really important conversation to be having because if you do get stuck and you just think you're doing what everyone else is doing which is on apps but realistically and vibrationally it's no 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 yes no yes swiping and just to kind of wrap our conversation up, I will give another example of directed will that explains just that, is that when I was perhaps 30 years old, I had decided that I would like to get married. And when I announced, and when I analyzed my life, I realized I was very sad because the people in my life that were my closest girlfriends had finally all of them gotten engaged off or married, right? And I was like, wow, I'm really looking for looking forward to I may never do that. And do I really want to do that? Because I'm kind of, you know, pushy and direct and maybe I don't want to be married. I don't know, you know, but I was also like, no, I feel kind of lonely, but I'm embarrassed to tell anybody that I feel kind of lonely. And I, what I did was I looked at the whole panoply of it. And mind you also, I walk with a limp, have one hand that doesn't work. So I also carried a big chip on my shoulder that nobody would really want to be with me. I had dated some, but not a ton. And I had had my heart very much broken in college. So I finally was like, you know, God dang it, whether I get married or not, I need to fix whatever this broken chip is on my shoulder. And clearly I haven't done it in a decade. So I went to a counselor and I said, here's the deal. I would like to get married, but I don't think I'm very vulnerable. And I also think I'm very close to my parents. There's almost not any room in there for someone else to come in. And he helped me. And one of the first things he ever said to me is you need to start asking people for help. If you know, if you see people looking at you in the supermarket and wondering why you're limping, like you need to just smile at them and tell them, I have cerebral palsy. How are you? You know, and just like be more open, be more vulnerable. And then if you need help, ask for it. And then I did uh, several of the things I talked to you about, about all the different ways to find love. And I was rejected several times. 
And then I started doing some of the rejecting because I realized who I was and what I was worth. And the day that I met my husband, we were on a trip and we never met each other, but we were walking to a hot spring that was quite difficult, rocky walking. And everybody left us behind. And I looked at my husband and I said, and said, I'm sorry, I know I don't know you, but I need help. I'm not going to be able to make it to the hot springs unless someone holds my hand. And that man half hauled me across woods and picked me up and carried me over logs and walked me all the way to the hot springs. And then when he was done, he put his clothes back on, walked me all the way back home, and we were never separated from then on. So I think it's important. And I had, but that I that was a two year directed will, right? That wasn't like a three month. It took a long time for, and I had a lot of odd stops on the way. So directed will doesn't always happen overnight, but you have to open all the spigots. I, that's a terrible analogy, but I hope that that makes sense. Like you have to try and turn different knobs. Yeah, I love it. You never, you don't lose faith. You you stay focused on it you trial different things and that ties in perfectly with if you are asking the universe for something big like that and you have the chip on the shoulder and you have the different things then you have to do you have to heal the things that's are between you and that outcome and anything yes, that's yes, stopping yes. you from having that outcome I love that which isn't which isn't also I mean this is a witchy pot not this isn't I don't know that's what you would call it but this is a western mysticism podcast in a way right or no I guess you're not western what would you call it then eastern I know I'm, I'm a mystical podcast I'm western but down under yeah so I I guess what I would say is I, I forget to mention because it's so natural to me that I often start my directed will with some sort of beautiful ritual where I have put together the candles and the herbs and the words and the flame and because it helps me, but you don't need that, but it helps me, right? So there's always a mystical component, but then I'm not afraid to bring in practical to open up the cha- channels. Yeah, and it's like a sacred vow and a soul decoration rolled into a ritual where you're like, this is my expectation. And yes, and you hold that vision and you are willing and open to healing anything that comes up that, you know, needs to for you to obtain that. And to also take those opportunities like, I, my mind is blown the day you're literally very brutally told by the specialist, the neurologist, and then on the same day you're like, turn in here, and you went in, and then she had an appointment and it all unfolded. And I feel like a lot of people can fear taking that that message and they might have to see the acupuncturist sign 10 times and, and 10 knowings. If anyone takes anything from this, I really want them to not be afraid to follow their intuition because that's where the magic happens. That's so true. So finally, can you tell my beautiful audience how to find you and do you have a freebie that they can download or do you want to direct them to a specific space? How can they connect with you? So you can connect with me on any social media at at PetsIView, P-E-T. S-E-Y-E-V-I-E-W 
or on TikTok, I think I'm Animal Communicator Kara with a K. And I do have a freebie if you go to my website and scroll a little bit down. There's something called Give Your Pet a Purpose. It's an ebook um, about the importance of matching your animal's personality with the right purpose for your home. It's especially good if you feel like you're a little bit, you know, out of control or out of energy alignment with your animal, or if you have multiple animals and they tend to compete for attention or favor, it will really help you to even that out. Um, and if you just want to join my mailing list and talk about sacred tours, we're going to be launching more of that soon. I'll put all the links uh, to how to find Kara in the description below. Thank you so much. This conversation had some of the best analogies and examples and I think it's painted a really clear picture for how people can use directed will what it is and how to start incorporating it so I really hope that it's inspired people and thank you thank you thank you thank you so much Jess